Welcome to Spartan Up Podcast. We have Joe DeSena, we have Tim Nye, we have Sephra, Johnny, Marion right there. You don't get to see, but you should because she's fantastic. Really? Speaking of fantastic, we tell a lot of stories here, and we, we, we meet a lot of people who tell stories. This is a guy who Joe is actually a master of the art of storytelling. Um, he is going to teach us how to tell stories in such a way that you can completely change your life. Um, Jeff Gomez, you got to see this. Incredible. By the way, I will say he does it not only for himself and companies like Sony, but he also does it for the Department of Defense. So, so this we're, is... We're going to talk about that. Got it. We're going to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We are here for Spartan Up Podcast with the infamous Jeff Gomez. We met years ago with Richard Branson. He is the, what, what do you call yourself, like super storyteller? <laughs> super storyteller. No, I'm a, I'm a producer I'm, uh, with the Producers Guild of America. I'm an accredited producer. And I am, um, I'm uh, a writer, and, um, and I specialize in something called narratology, or the study of story. Huh. So explain that. Um, a lot of people think that uh, storytelling, which dates back to early humanity, is some kind of a magical thing. You, you have this uh, amazing talent, and, and it comes out, and we are entranced by story. We look at it in, in movies or read the uh, uh, novels and, and get caught up in story. But really, story is composed of um, uh, hundreds of different little tiny components um, that are put together uh, mostly intuitively and come out uh, beautifully or elegantly, but some are not so so good. And we kind of see it as a science. And and um, where do you tell these stories? Like, do you do you write comic books? What, what do you? <laughs> um, it started out for me in kid stuff, a um, uh, kind of arrested development. I I, uh, um, I was a very imaginative little kid. Um, I was living in kind of a hostile little environment, um, uh, the uh, Lower East Side of New York City in the 60s and 70s was kind of tough, and for me the escape was um, uh, uh, dinosaurs and monster movies and fairy tales and, and mythology. Um, I, um, uh, uh, I didn't want to leave that, that kind of fantasy world, but... There was nothing. I kept consuming it so quickly, I'd run out of it real fast. So I started to make up my own stories. And, and I remember you, you told me you lived in Japan for a while, or did you just, you did live in Japan, right? Um, well, we, um, uh, my, my mom was a free spirit, and she uh, moved us to Hawaii in the mid-1970s. And Hawaii was dominated by Japanese popular culture. So the, the, the cool thing about Japan is that when they make stuff for uh, kids, it's kind of mature. <laughs> they have, um, uh, you know, they, they take kids seriously. The stories are life and death. They're very complicated. They have prequels and sequels and sidequels and all kinds of merchandise around their uh, uh, kid properties. And I just loved that. It was so much more sophisticated than, uh, you know, Jabberjaw or Grape Ape or some of the nonsense that was on Saturday morning television in the 70s. And how old were you when, when you were in Hawaii? How old was that? I was 12 years old. I was 12. So you're consuming this stuff in, in, in uh, Hawaii. When do you make the switch to actually producing the stories? Well, um, I, <clears throat> I wanted to go to Japan and make, you know, uh, anime and, and, and all this cool 
um, uh, uh, monster stuff and, and, and so forth. But as, as luck would have it, mom wanted to go home. So I got stuck in New York and experienced some pretty tough years uh, in the late 70s and early 80s before I started figuring out how to start uh, writing myself and start, um, uh, you know, heading toward a career in writing. Your dad left, right? I remember you telling me that story. Yeah. You feel comfortable talking about sure, that? Sure, sure. Yeah. So what happened there? Um, dad was, was, my parents were young, like super young when, uh, uh, when they had me and then got married. And um, uh, uh, he was a, a Puerto Rican guy in New York City when, you know, Latinos weren't really welcome. <laughs> and, um, and so he grew up to be kind of an angry dude. And, um, and, and I was so different from him. Um, there was always a bit of space uh, uh, between us. And, uh, and eventually he kind of couldn't deal with, with New York uh, and left for Puerto Rico. So me and my mom and my kid sister um, uh, hung out for a little while, and then we, we ran to Hawaii. <laughs> and uh, how, did that, how does that affect your storytelling, like that kind of, you know, having that happen to you? You know, um, as a little kid, stuff like that happens to you. You're in a, a, a tough, violent environment. For me, being imaginative, I, I at first chose to reject all of that. I wanted to be nothing like my father or these people around me. Um, I, I wanted to kind of hole up and draw my pictures and write my stories uh, uh, myself. But there was always this loneliness that that um, was isolating me. And, um, and it, it was really starting to, to bug me. Um, there had to be a way to, to cross that line, to connect with a lot of uh, people somehow. And I noticed that the things that I loved, a lot of people loved, Hollywood movies, um, cool TV shows and things like that. If somehow I could become involved in that, then maybe I can connect with, with people. And, and so that was sort of why I pursued the career I pursued. And, and, and now it's called Transmedia? Well, the, the idea of, um, uh, the originally the idea was, well, maybe I can make a movie or a TV show or a novel. Um, but because I train myself with these elaborate kind of story worlds, like Tolkien's uh, Lord of the Rings and um, uh, C.S. Lewis and Narnia, these huge universes, they seemed not to be able to be contained in one media uh, for me. I wanted to, uh, uh, to be able to do like the Japanese did and create stuff that people could chase uh, from one media to the next, to the next, to the next. You started to see that in the United States with Star Wars, right? There was a movie and then there were comic books that didn't necessarily repeat the same story as the movie. And there, were, uh, there was music and novels and things like that. That was awesome. And I wanted to see if I could design from scratch um, these story worlds that could roll out across different media platforms. And that would eventually be called transmedia storytelling. You, you were one of the first to, to do that? or Well, I was one of the first to, to, um, to practice it as a practical um, uh, application. Um, in, in other words, uh, when I worked for a comic book company 
and I was assigned to create a video game based on a comic book, I said, you know, we could also create a website that holds some of the extra story that I can't fit into the video game, and we can create a, a, a little comic especially for the video game, and we can put original information about the characters in the action figure packaging, and suddenly... Uh, it all came out at once and was a big hit. That was, uh, I don't know if uh, uh, your audience would remember, but there used to be the Nintendo 64 platform in the 90s. And Turok, Turok Dinosaur Hunter was a smash hit on that uh, uh, platform, on that game console. And I created the Turok uh, Dinosaur Hunter uh, so where, video game where, world. where has that taken you? I mean, to... to, to... There's a big hit. So So suddenly... Uh, I wasn't just a, 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 a kid imagining um, these fantasy worlds. I got invited to to help put these these story worlds together. So I moved on to a trading card game called Magic the Gathering, and I used um, my understanding of fantasy to uh, tie the cards together in some giant story that took place in comics and video games and novels. And... Um, um, and those two successes, Turok and Magic, they were pretty big, and, and it enabled me to raise some money and uh, form Starlight Runner in 2000. But you, you also do, um, I don't know what we're allowed to talk about, what we're not allowed, but, no, but some anything. stuff like for government where you're helping create a story like for a country. Sure, Explain sure. that a little bit. And, and Well, um, uh once Starlight Runner got underway, our clients started to rack up. So the Walt Disney Company came to us with Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, uh, the 20th Century Fox came to us with Avatar. And we were helping some uh, incredible talent build these elaborate universes that traversed all these different media. The idea came to me that if I could help these guys reach people across all these different media and turn those people into loyal fans. That's sort of like being loyal to a brand or, or to being, becoming active over a certain kind of idea. What do fans do? They activate. They uh, um, talk about your stuff. They create stuff and put it on the Internet based on what they love about your stuff. Uh, could, could people's behavior... Um, be nudged so that you know they they behave better or or stand up more lawfully that is or stand up to extremist dogma or or crime. Um, I began to think about that, and uh, when you put signals out into the world, sometimes the world responds. Um, in this particular case, the Obama administration responded and said, "Hey, can you use this transmedia storytelling?" Uh, to help us with a, a problem uh, that that's going on in Mexico, and um, and there's all this violence and and uh, and crime, uh, can can you do something about that? And I said sure, but just remember, this isn't about propaganda. This is about helping these people tell their true, authentic story to reach into the themselves and understand what was uh, just and right and, and valued in their culture uh, and bring that back out of them because that's what it seemed they'd lost, uh, allowing themselves to be subsumed by this crime and violence. And, and, uh, and we designed a, a process which we call transmedia 
population activation that actually works. And, and we were successful there in Mexico and then in Colombia, Australia, other countries around the world as well. Wow. And, so, and then you do some big uh, hit movies. Well, you mentioned Avatar and stuff. So explain, explain that. So, so uh, uh, a movie studio will come to you and say, hey, help us figure out. I remember you saying to me, like, should Spider-Man have a girlfriend? Or, right, 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 right. Sure, sure. Well, um, you know, in this day and age, you're investing so much money if you're a studio into these um, uh, uh, movie properties. They kind of have to succeed as video games and comic books and novels and, and things like that. They also have to succeed in terms of prolonging the public's interest in these, in these properties, sequels or these whole universes like what we're seeing with the Marvel Cinematic Universe or, or um, Star Wars. Uh, Disney does this really well. Um, uh, how do you do that? How do you um, uh, make these worlds last instead of just these one-off movies? Uh, well, we can uh, go in and break apart um, these characters and these uh, storylines and show uh, our client exactly what's so uh, interesting and intriguing and engaging about these characters. So um, uh, it's not just that Spider-Man is a cool superhero. It's actually that he's kind of an ordinary guy. And there aren't that many superheroes who are, you know, schmoes from Forest Hills, Queens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and we have to remind uh, these studios sometimes to to remember what's important about the 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 foundational aspects of these characters. How do we apply this to our own? We got Jesse here, who's who's living like a monk. How, how do we <laughs> use this to tell our story as individuals? Because because part of part yeah. the, the point here is right to help people get motivated, help people be more successful moms, monks, uh, business people. Absolutely. How do you better tell your story? I'm a big uh, proponent of the Spartan philosophy because so much of it has to do with, uh, with confronting one's own limitations. You, you know, um, uh, it, it, um, um, it, it, it has a lot to do with with kind of understanding from my perspective that you're living a story um you're kind of the screenwriter of your own movie you know and um and for most people that's fine but for some people who have problems or um challenges that are repetitive they make the same mistakes over and over again or something's not satisfying about um, uh, 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 about their lives and how their their relationships or how they're realizing their goals and maybe not making it. A lot of that is rooted in how the story started. <laughs> you know, those first few years are critical because uh, think about it: your your reality is shaped by your parents' reality or your environment's reality, and and quite often. Those are the impositions of, of a lot of limitations, you know. Um, uh, so um, what's brilliant about writing the story of your own life is you're capable of doing a rewrite <laughs> and, and going back and figuring out exactly where you, you kind of uh, um, uh, met with these problems initially and, and figuring out how you can kind of tell the story in a different way. 
Because why should I live uh, according to the way that the five-year-old version of me was handling life? <laughs> you know, I want to go back and, and kind of uh, rewrite that experience. It's not my fault whatever happened to me. And, uh, and I know better now, so we can start to break old habits and, and, um, and break out of the limitations that were imposed on us. I hope you're not sitting still while you listen. If you are, you better get a burpee break in. Next week, Carl and I, we're on it. We're on it. We're on it with Aubrey Marcus. Aubrey Marcus. All right, the young man from University of Richmond, philosophy major. Yep, brilliant philosophy. Transformed himself into a fitness guru who now has an entire fitness enterprise, if you will, right? Yep, he's got his own podcast and uh, some pretty cool looking kettlebells. And uh, yeah, well, he's got supplements. He's got athletic gear. He's got. He's gone from the classroom to the boardroom uh, overnight, right? Yeah. Yeah, I tell you, fascinating story. So where where can everybody? uh, Yeah, if you don't want to miss an episode, uh, subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, or wherever you watch. We'll be there. What what exercise do you recommend? I mean, Jesse's going through it now. He's he's living in a monastery, right? You're 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 rewriting your story, really. That's what you're doing. I love that line that you said about. Rewriting, you know, you write your own screenplay. Because if you, if you, I'm sorry to interrupt, sure, but if sure. you, you're right. If you are convinced that somebody else is writing yours, well, then you're stuck. But, he, but he's saying, no, you write it yourself. You write it yourself. Go back I, and erase it. No page. matter what happened to you. Just going to mm-hmm. chime in one sure, thing before sure. I leave. I, you know, one thing that I do, and I don't know if this is a technique, but, you know, I, I'll go to the end of the movie in my head. So let's say I'm starting a business. I'll see it already sold. It's already sold. I've made a million dollars. I'm making it Sure, up. sure. I got to fill in the script now how I get there, yeah. but the end is already done. I'm going to run, I'm going to finish the marathon, I'm going to wear the medal. Now I just got to fill in the training. But the yeah. script is always kind of written. Is that sort of... In, in a way, certainly. Um, uh, we go backwards I- instead, of, instead of forwards because um, uh, if, for, for a lot of the brands and, and storylines that, that we're working with, um, if you go forward um, and and don't make the adjustment in the in the past, it, it, the past is still a rudder that that is guiding how you're going to get to to realize that goal. And sometimes it's not the most productive way, or sometimes you'll do something that's I don't know dishonorable or not ad- adherent to the best uh, possibility of yourself. Um, so. So he might, he might, in his example, he might be carrying route. a bad habit because of, because of the way he was influenced as a youngster. Right. So he sets a goal, right. and maybe that goal means hurting a lot of people in order to achieve the goal. He achieves the goal, right. but you know, um, his past has is radiating this this uh, poison or this negativity that is um, uh, informing how he gets to that goal. That makes sense. You're gonna yeah. have you're gonna have another 48 hours to think about this. Well, I'll just live with Gomez. You should live with Gomez. Yeah, figure it out in 30 days. That's it. Appreciate this. Very helpful. Absolutely. See you guys. You're so awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Special guest. Yeah. Thank you. See you guys. So okay. You were just asking how how if, were there like some techniques? Yeah. Yeah. What are the, so what are, what are the techniques um, sure. that people sure. can use to uh, rewrite their story? Um, it's funny, Joe, uh, you and I talked about this with regard to Spartan because I wanted to understand um, uh, uh, Spartan race and where it came from. 
and um, and one of the things we talked about that we apply to big brands and um, and big movies and even uh, big crises, uh, socio-political crises, um, is is the concept we call primal challenge, um, uh, and um, and it's really just an exercise that that uh, anybody can try. Um, we are uh, born. And um, and we're the bright center of the universe. You know, everything exists to serve us. If it doesn't, we're dead. Yeah. Um, and if it doesn't, uh, for a short time, we get aggravated. We scream or cry, and something gets stuck in our mouths, or our diapers changed, or something like that. Um, but after a few years um, uh, of being the bright center of the universe, we. Um, something happens we're we're somehow shown that we're not and we're snapped out of this bliss that we're in 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 our infancy and made to realize that the world is kind of rough you know it, it could be a dark place so for some kids or or some characters that's an early childhood humiliation or a tragedy um or a disease something that imposes itself from outside and throws us out of our our innocence, and um, and uh, in in great stories, the response to that is to make some kind of vow. I'll never let this thing trick me again. I'll never let myself be called stupid again. Um, you know. Uh, I, I, I don't want to be perceived of as some kind of weakling or nerd. So I'm going to, and then the answer is usually some form of hypercompensation, right? We start doing things um, that are a response to these early childhood traumas that set us on the road. We start writing that script. The problem is we continue writing that script based on a primordial response to some kind of failure. And we want to be right about what it is that we're doing. So we keep gathering evidence to, to, confir- to, <laughs> to confirm, confirm the way we're acting. The way we're acting. Got it. You see that? And that yeah. locks us onto one road, and it may not be the right road. There are so many so other you gotta roads go to back. Be. you got to go back and rewrite. That's right. But, but, but is there a... A technique, uh, you know, you can you can actually do a day or like. What do, what do you suggest somebody does? <clears throat> um, uh, you know, it's it, it, it's as simple as um, uh, for our purposes, um, uh, as in acknowledging the fact that there isn't a, a single way to be right. <clears throat> um, that that there are always alternatives. Okay, and um, and and also. What is it that that we're doing? What are we giving to the world? What's our contribution? You know, um, if if we can come up with with something um, uh, for ourselves that is symbolic of what it is that we're here to do on Earth, um, we can uh, match it on a day to day basis against that failure to make sure. That, that we're not locked into some situation that's not going to be productive, that's not going to get us an inch closer to realizing this, uh, this big goal, you know? Get that. Um, uh, so um, uh, 
for for me, for example, if if the if the failure was, um, you know what, um, I'm I'm not like all the other uh, people, and that that will always make me some kind of outcast or nerd or or um, uh, a shy kid. I can't be masculine. I can't be macho. I can't be tough because that's what everybody else is, and I don't like it. Um, uh, you know, ultimately that that isolated me as a kid. I had some benefits because I learned how to tell stories, but I I was lonely for a long, long time, uh, Joe. And and um, and ultimately, I, I realized that um, if the gift that I have is this strange understanding for how people can connect with um, uh, stories or messages across all these different media platforms, it, it really means that I want to connect and I want all of us to be connected. If we're all connected, we can empathize with each other and maybe stop hitting each other and stop harming each other. Um, that'd be cool. Um, so I match that against the, that, that failure. You know, am I being shy and withdrawn and um, and isolated from the world? I'm not writing my story the right way then right now. Um, It needs a rewrite, you know. And yes, that is my default. I'm going to go back. You might need outside people, though, to help you, because I I would think you don't whoever you are out there, you, you don't recognize your own faults. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. But. Um, that takes a little bit of boldness because sometimes it's not easy to hear um, a, a buddy say, Gomez, you're acting like, you know, the shy kid again. Somebody said to us recently, um, it's really helpful to have like a personal advisory group, people from different areas Absolutely. of life. Absolutely. And, and I had never heard that. We've done 300 interviews and I thought, you know what? Companies do it. Why can't an individual do it? That's right. That's right? right. I want to do a check-in on myself. Right. Right. Can Can we talk about the first time that that we met? Yeah. Because sure. this illustrates the point. Yeah. Um, we were sitting on a beach. Um, uh, everyone seemed so comfortable, but for me, beaches are not the most comfortable environment. Um, there you were sitting across from us. Your body is like it seems like it's sculpted out of something. Steel. <laughs> Steel. Um, and um, and I, 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 my wife was there, and I leaned over, and I was like, oh, look at that jock, dude. <laughs> you know, I, I, like, I defaulted. Almost now. Defaulted to, to that kid, yeah. right? And my response, and the way you were talking, you were so brash and bold and, and, and stuff like that. And, and I figured out what you represented, the Spartan thing, and I was like, oh. You know, um, I would never have a thing to, to talk about with you in the universe. And you know what? Exactly as you said, her job is to, 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 to kind of give me a knock out of that modality and into the modality of, of possibility. So she said, you know, you've been dealing with Spartans um, for, for the past two years. Oh, that's right. You ha- that's how we connected. The you, Halo you, Spartans. The Halo Spartans, the, right. uh, the video game. The video game Halo yeah. has Spartan characters right. in it, uh, futuristic Spartans. And I was Here like, I was thinking you were looking at me like an academic. 
<laughs> See? I, I bet, yeah. Both are default <laughs> modes. Um, and I was like, ah, oh, you know, all right, let, let's, let's try this. And, and, um, and I forwarded that to you. Yeah. And to my surprise, you were actually receptive, and it started a conversation that led to a, a friendship that, that's lasted years. Yes. Um, and opened up all kinds of possibilities for both of us yeah. with our own businesses and so forth. And that was fantastic. So, so bottom line is open mind, take advice from people, find yes. people that um, are willing and kind enough, I guess, to give you an open um, critique. That's right. And take it, take it, yeah. and take it seriously. It, it, you're not going to break. <laughs> and don't be afraid to rewrite your story. Absolutely. Right? Rip 100%. out some pages. <laughs> Burn the book. Sometimes. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Start over. Yeah. You're awesome. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we're friends, and uh, I had no idea you didn't see me as like some you know, Ivy League graduate. <laughs> That's how I saw you. Oh. Jeff Gomez, yeah, the, the concept of transmedia, it's, I, I had no idea what it meant, and now I realize that it's kind of like the holistic surroundings of everything that, that we currently but, live but you, But you, because of your age, have lived with it your entire life. When really? You, yeah, when you go to a movie, and you have the movie, and you have the trailers, and there's books, there's comic books. Lunchbox. There's the lunchbox. There's the, there's, <laughs> well, right, but there's the Happy Meals with the toys inside and all, Never all of it. But all of that has happened in the last 30 or so years, okay. all since your life. So maybe it's just part of, it's been part of your life, your whole life. Yeah, it, it's, it's the water that you swim in, like a fish. You don't know right. there's water there. It's just so ubiquitous right. that, um, you know, <laughs> no, like, like the Smurfs, the, you know, the, the whatever. They're the everywhere and, and have actually become part of our fabric, all these stories. You know how um, well, we met them, Marion and I were down... At Richard Branson's Island when we did our, one of our first podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Long we time had, ago. interviewed uh, Richard, and uh, I was swimming, and he was sitting on a neighboring island, and I got to know Mosquito. him. And the first few minutes, of t- I had no idea what he was talking about. It was just over my head. I didn't know what he but I said, this guy's smart, yeah, yeah. and I want to hang out with him. And as I got to know him, um, yeah, it, do- it dove into everything that we talked about here, which is... Um, you got to be able to tell a story. You got to be able to tell it well. And he's, he's playing chess. We're all playing checkers. And you've got to be able to tell it on multiple platforms, right? Yeah. That's podcast, iTunes, uh, YouTube, the rest of it. Right? You go, so right? you, can't just, right. you can't just single track anymore, right? You want to hit the widest target, the widest audience. So you've got to use the multiple platforms. Right? I remember when we were first getting Spartan going, like the metal we gave away didn't necessarily match. And not, not from a color perspective, but from the feeling wasn't the same as the shirt wasn't the same as the experience of the race wasn't the same as to what we were saying on Facebook etc right so that's what he does he brings it all together he helps Sony figure out I don't know if we talked about it um, whether or not Spider-Man needs a girlfriend right and what the girlfriend should look like um, because he knows what an audience how an audience a lot like the one they picked a lot like the one <laughs> and Sparta, you guys used to give out those huge swords at the beginning. We used to give out swords. I and saw Margaret. Oh, yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. I think yeah. I think he says we're living our own movie. We're the screenwriters of our own mm, legacy. I like that a lot. And I think like we always talk about how do you create your own legacy? How do you want your story to be told? And so I think he's saying like how do you want your story to be told on all of these different platforms? And it's just once again like we always talk about the holistic approach to things. And he's in an industry where he's taken 
the, the holistic approach so that it, it intervenes in every... Hmm. I think I don't think orifice is the right word. Fashion. Fashion. Facet. You're the well, facet. I'm in Thank you, Jim. <laughs> Thanks for reaching well, out. Pulling that out. <laughs> um, but, you know, we sometimes reference other uh, interviews we've done, and you know, I never know exactly when they're going to come out. So I don't know if this is one you've seen yet or not. But um, you talk about the importance of storytelling and Ben Weiss of uh, the, the soft drink company Buy. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about how his ability to tell the story and how he owns that story. And as Tim described it, how it really, there's the military position of a, of a walkthrough that he does. Right. Um, when you can own your story like that, you, you end up selling a company for $1.7 billion. billion dollars yeah. When on paper, maybe you'd wonder why, but it's because of the, the compelling nature of that story. And when you think about our own lives and the stories we tell ourselves, if we're not excited about that and we don't own that and we're not swept up by it and driven forward by it where we just want to spring out of bed every day to tell yeah. that story. And it's got to be consistent. Yep. Right? Does it? It does, that's, that's yes. That's hard part. <laughs> it does. You were talking about Ben Weiss. Yep. And so we were talking about the military precision. But Mr. Gomez here, Jeff, same thing, right? My ears perked up in the interview when he started talking about that he worked for the Department of Defense slash Department of State. I wasn't... He said defense. I think it's more Department of State. But... That is, and he, and he went to great lengths to say not propaganda. He said that a couple of times. That is uh, uh, MISO, uh, our, our MIST, Military Information Support Teams, Military Information I like, I love Support so Operations, which we used to call PSYOP, Psychological Operations. But they bring teams of military down that are basically marketers, if you will, and they come down, they work with the ambassador, the ambassadors tell them what the problems are in the country, and they put together a multifaceted platforms to, to help fight that problem across the entire spectrum. So, so either he's been linked up through that system. Uh, he talked about going to Australia and also down in the Columbia and stuff. I, I don't know what he was doing in Australia. Columbia, I get. Mexico, I get. But anyway, I think, I think there's uh, some connectivity there as well. Yeah. I think he's, he's had some training with the, uh, or he has trained, I should say, probably our, our PSYOP teams down at Fort Bragg. I think so, um, so. If he can train them, wait, he can train us. This is a good yeah, interview. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, for sure. It's and a then, great interview. And then, well, j- just to pay homage too to like the ancient art of storytelling, right? A lot of times in, in like these wilderness skills and survival schools I've helped out at, um, they always say the most important thing is when you come back in from an experience out on the land, tell your story of the day, right? And when you tell your story of the day, when you're able to tell that story, you embody it, you remember it, you're able to reflect on it, you learn lessons of it. So just that art of keeping storytelling alive in our culture is so important. And he's also, just to maybe end on this, he's also a super nice guy because Marion's son, who um, is just this brilliant, really super creative kid, has been, has been sending him some of his writing. And he's just been really generous with his time and giving some great feedback. So here's a guy who works with the DOD, who works with huge media companies, and also just has a lot of humility and humanity and works with, works with kiddos. So um, if you want to go Wilbur and Mackie, we love you. Um, So if you guys want to continue listening to our story across all sorts of media platforms, go to Spartan.com slash podcast and subscribe on iTunes or YouTube. This podcast, by the way, was brought to you by Colonel Knight. No, not Colonel Knight. Special Ops Survivors. Special Ops Survivors, which is a a charity that obviously targets um, the spouses of fallen special operators. Awesome. Awesome to be partners with them. 
Thank you for watching another epic story of success. If you like our message, please share Smarten Up with your friends and subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, or wherever you catch our show, maybe in the woods. Smarten Up is brought to you by Spartan Race. To find a race near you, visit Spartan.com. Thank you.